Alright, let's go. Welcome to episode one of the Left for Japan podcast. If you listened to the previous episode, that was episode zero, you might have noticed. Some things have changed. This is the first real episode. There's another person here too. Shh, I hadn't introduced you yet. Please ignore the man behind the curtain. I'm not really a man, but we'll go with that. <laughs> so this is episode one, and the format has changed. The biggest change, well, not much has changed, but the one major change is that instead of being by myself, I've brought on a co-host or co-contributor. What do you want to call yourself? Coco. Title yourself. Coco. <laughs> I've brought on a Coco. They have a monkey. Veronica Coco. Yeah, they like calico cats. I also like calico cats. I think Coco. We have a pet cat. Coco the monkey. It's like a gorilla no. or something. Yeah, right? right. They tried to teach it. Yeah, the one like, that can do like sign language. Sign language. Sign language. Right. It had a pet cat. Mm. Yeah, and it was a calico. And the name of my calico when I was younger was Coco. So I was like, oh, that story in like elementary school, whatever moral education class or whatever that story <laughs> showed up in language arts. I don't know. I was always like, oh, the monkey. The cat should have been named Coco, just like my cat instead. So this is Coco, the <laughs> my, my Coco. Uh, we'll be two person podcast. We'll see how that works out. Maybe, we'll, maybe someone will want to listen to it then if it's not just me talking to myself. Yeah, you look a little crazy an hour. talking to yourself by yourself. I kept saying that. Hmm. All right, anyways, as tradition uh, dictates, uh, we have a snack again. The snack of this podcast is also a drink uh, called Blackout God Energy Drink, exclusively sold at Don Quixote. Yep. I'm not one for energy drinks, but this this <laughs> one's true. this one's got a it's got a motif Ooh. going on. Blackout God is it's, yeah, it's going this on. Is a crazy label. There'll be a picture on the uh, on the feed or on the uh, you know the blog page that carries the podcast information. If you want to see the picture, oh wow, it's really bubbling. Um, it's that, that sun meteor that yeah, ascorbic acid. Yeah, yeah. acid thing. Anyway, so I thought this was a fitting one for the first episode, since it was sort of a major feature in the Japan section of primary podcast inspiration for this podcast. All right, there we go. And now he's drinking. <sighs> and yeah, now, even though I do not care for carbonated oh, drinks, I will be drinking. It's... Hmm. Oh, it tastes lime? Like limey? It tastes like something I've had before. Yeah, I don't know. Do right. all energy drinks taste the same? I like... think they do, frankly. It's got like quite a, quite a bit of like, like a scorp- some sort of acidity to it, but it's weird. It's kind of thick, actually. Yeah, I don't. You can have the rest. <laughs> do I try another uh-uh. taste? Yeah, well, I wasn't necessarily gonna finish it on the podcast. But... You don't have to finish it. You don't have to ikinomi it. It's okay. Mm. Oh. I'm so, a big fan of energy drinks, I guess, but you know, it's as good as any. It's yeah, not, Blackout it's not God terrible. Is, it's quite. quite Let's a, see if it gives us good energy for the podcast or not. Quite a name. Might be a long one. A lot of stuff. New person. A lot of back stuff. I think at the end of the last podcast, I said I wanted to be back within probably a week or two, and now it's been like a couple of months probably. But I have a new person on to make up for it. So. Hello again. Say hi. Hi. All right, so we launch into news, and do you have something you want to say? Oh, 
Well, I have I have one one thing yeah, since it's a Japan related story. Something something good in Japan-y to start off episode one. Something good in Japan-y. Um <laughs> good in Japan-y. Well in Japan uh at least back where I used to live in, in, in my home country, um there there weren't really any digital door locks, digital door locks. But today, you know, I had to come face to face with a digital door lock again. Like, like you know, the place I live uh, doesn't have a digital lock, it's just a regular key. But I was going and, and helping another 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 person who is, who's not Japanese with their digital door lock. And, and usually for the digital door locks, you know, you, you set your own code and there's a little button that's got a, a key picture on it. So you, you Put in your code and you press the key button and then your door unlocks. You know. Were you code. helping them today? Was yeah. That, was that today? Yeah, yeah. today. So it's like you know unlocks automatically and then you're all set. And then you know when you leave your house and you want to lock the door, you just press the key button again if the door is already unlocked, which it should be when you're exiting. And then you know it locks fine. But this person, they they decided they wanted to change the battery in the door lock like you normally have to do, which is you know all, all good. But then somehow they programmed it so that their code locks the door now and any other button opens the door. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, like, That's you can, backwards. yeah, you can press any button and get into their house, but, but it's really hard to lock, to lock the, door. the door. The only way to lock the door now is by entering the code they decided. And even looking through all the instructions that I've ever seen about the door locks, I can't figure out how they ended up programming it in like some sort of backwards way. And I would just like to say that that kind of sums up every experience that I've ever had in Japan, where you have some sort of intention, where it's like, this is definitely the way that this is done, this is definitely the way that it should go, and then somehow it just ends up completely backwards from what you're expecting. Well, that's, that's a common thing that's been said for a long time, that everything in Japan is backwards. I don't think this case is actually how it's supposed to be. I don't think no, the locks no, are sure, actually really to easy to unlock and really difficult to lock. Yeah, normally it's, it's not that But way. it's one of those things you wouldn't be surprised. They actually someone, have a story. Someone who's a foreigner has an experience and the way that they thought it should be and the way that no. most people in Japan do experience it. Most <laughs> Japanese people, to them, it's, it's perfectly common for their door lock to work correctly. But, yeah. but as a foreigner in Japan, a lot of times I think things don't work out exactly how people expect. Yeah, I've got I've got even a short list of things that I've kept from that are backwards from you know the way they're in the in the West or the States, how I commonly think of it. I even saw that in one of those older books that I sometimes read. You know, early foreign travelers in Japan. You know, eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundred people and. You know, one person even specifically had their own little list of things that are done backwards. But that'll be another episode, maybe, if I'm trying to fill space in the front end. We can we can talk about that backwardsness. <laughs> okay. Well, to start off with, let's see. I'm gonna do. Don't look at this. this okay. Is, this is my area. There's a lot of things I'm not supposed to look at. <laughs> I'm not supposed to look at you. I'm not supposed to look at anything you prepared. I guess I should go in the corner. Like... You're my Coco, you can, you but can look, get, you, get in the corner. You can look at the blackout god. Have some blackout god. It's good for you. I really doubt that. <laughs> <laughs> Energy drinks aren't good for you. The first ingredient is sugar. The second ingredient sugar is grape is sugar. Sugar means life. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. So to start with, since I have a new person, yeah, I'm going to ask you some questions. Oh, 
please ask me. Do a formal and these, interview. These are, these are morality questions. Morality right? questions. All right. Yeah. So these are all taken from a Japanese show, uh, an NHK show that is meant to be used in the classroom uh, as part of a moral education class. All right. You know, so a teacher could use this as part of a moral education class. And each one, there's 10 episodes in all, and I have all 10 here. Oh, wow. It takes a long time. We can do just five. But mm. if you go fast, we can do all 10. 10 um, questions, I guess? 10 or... situations oh. resulting in 10 questions. Every question is, what would you do? Okay. Right? So it's a situation, and you have to say what you would do in that situation. So everyone listening to this is going to be judging me. Yes. On the first, yes. On the first episode. So people can get a feel for your moral caliber. My moral compass. So your moral compass. My moral compass. I don't even have a, a cal <laughs> like calculated you know, idea of what my own moral compass is, but yeah. everyone can analyze me now. Yeah. Okay, please do so. So rather than any actual background information, you'll know only your only your moral information. All right. All right. So every one of these, this is this is in Japan, right? It was moral mm. education class mm -hmm. in middle school too. I think elementary and uh, middle school. Elementary school, they have moral education class usually once a week, and at middle school, their their homeroom teachers are in charge of moral education classes. So they but, do have a class. Yeah, in but school. but in any case, on to okay, my, on my the questions. Moral, moral compass. Okay, so each one in this show, each episode presents a situation you have to talk about in your class or whatever, you know, the idea would be what you would do in this situation and why you would do it. And I thought they're pretty good too because almost all of them don't have a correct answer, oh, you know. Okay. There's not usually, maybe one or two, but at least from my perspective, most of them don't have a very clear you know, well, this one is clearly the more right one. You can mm. see why someone might want to do the other one, mm. but, you know, this thing is clearly right. Most of them, both answers are pretty right, you know, or sometimes pretty wrong. <laughs> um, okay, well, let's just start, and then you'll get a feel for it. Okay, so situation one, episode one. All right. Uh, these, these are short, you know, shows. So the mm. situation isn't too complicated. Okay, so the first one, each one you're in a different position you're a different kind of person so for okay. episode one you're a patissier all right yeah. I'm, a, I'm a sweets pastry chef confectioner anyways you just opened a bakery opened right? A bakery. All right so you just opened it you finally fulfilled your dream that you've had since you were young of being owning your own maker. baker right. being a patissier a sweets maker and you open it on the day you're opening it your friend from childhood comes over to your shop to, you know, congratulate you and wish you good luck in your shop. Yeah. Okay. Okay, now your shop, you have it all very, I don't know if we have these states, but it's the most stereotypical kind of cute, fancy bakery, mm. you know, right, patissier. Yeah. Typical type shop Japanese. Ever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Exactly, you know, it's kind of, you know, all sort of, you know, French looking, mm. doilies, white, pink, you know, pastels and stuff like that, right? All right. Okay. Your friend, he brings you as a... As oh, it's a, a he. All right. Yeah, well, the the person in the show is always a he, the actor, right? Oh, okay. This is actually... It's actually done by Unjash. Oh, yeah? So, yeah, uh, Unjash hosts this show. Nice. It's, if you want to look them up, U-N-J-A-S-H. Pretty funny the comedian English spelling. Excellent duo. You can find a lot of their stuff subbed on YouTube. But in any case, they host this show. That's why I originally started watching it, actually. Because <laughs> oh. I'm a big fan of their... So. Anyway, so he... Your friend comes over, yeah. Mm -hmm. And he... Your friend's a he. 
in this okay. case, but like you just imagine you as the main person. All right. you can, your friend can still be a he, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> your sure. friend comes and has a good luck thing. It's going to take forever to get through these. A I good luck thing. One per episode. <laughs> one per episode. <laughs> one per episode. The first episode. Uh, well, has a good luck prize. Not prize, but charm. Mm -hmm. He brings you a giant Tengu mask. Alright, so it's this big fit with red wooden tango mask, like really big, like as big as right. a human H huge torso. nose, like probably a big foot long. Nose sticking out, yeah, at least a foot long, big red nose, you know. And he's like, Oh, if you have this and you hang it up on your wall in your shop, you you definitely succeed. You mm. know? It's 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 that kind of good luck charm. Okay. So but at the same time, you look at the mask, and it's totally ruining the atmosphere of your place. Sure. Right. Right. But this is your, your childhood friend who's been rooting for you all this time. Right. So, do you hang the mask, or do you, like, throw it away or stick it somewhere, <laughs> you know, well, you, okay. hidden, like, so usually, you hang it up or not? Usually these types of stores, right, there's some back area where, like, the people do yeah. their... Their, their administrative work or, you know, calculating the money or, you know, the, basically the business behind the business kind of stuff. So I would 100% not hang the mask like, <laughs> in my store, but I would 100% hang the mask back there. And if it's all supposed to be like, oh, you know, this is cheering you on, you'll succeed if you do this. The place where I have to handle the money and, and mm -hmm. handle the management and the running of my business would be that back area, maybe more so even than my counter area, because like I could ostensibly have like other people working for me eventually and things like that. So like... It wouldn't necessarily have to cheer them on, but if it was specifically for cheering me on, I would, even if I didn't want the mask, I'd hang it up and like keep it back there though. So like <laughs> it's hidden, but it can still right. cheer me on. And then when I see it, if it's really my childhood friend who brought me this giant mask, is all like, we want you to, you know, I want you to be the best you can be. Like it'll, it'd probably make me feel good seeing it back there on the, the long nights where you're having to crunch the numbers or whatever. <laughs> so. All right. The other thing about this show is every for every situation there's always an added bit too right? oh i see yeah there's so always an extra you give twist answer, there's some extra twist yeah 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 so you have the original situation and then there's oh. always an extra twist right so in this case as you're taking the mask down your friend's left and you're taking oh. it down to go put it in the back somewhere he suddenly comes back because he i don't know, forgot his coat or something and he sees you taking it off you know yeah. and throwing it away i didn't uh, say i was gonna <laughs> throw it away throwing it into the back you know he sees you taking it to the back why did i hang it up in front of him in the shop to begin with i did don't he know put it up? he yeah i think he, well, he hung needs it up to get himself. out of my yeah. shop and put yeah, holes think, in my walls well no you were already had already had something hanging there so he just takes my pictures down and, and puts he was up like oh this would be a perfect space for it yeah basically i see <laughs> Well, he's gone and done just that getting already. angry at this friend. Oh. He's gone and like, done that when I had customers and stuff in there already without my permission. No, nah, it was before any customers came. Before any customers. Yeah, he came before his store opened to wish oh. you good luck on your first day. Anyways, he sees you doing that. And he goes, oh, you noticed how it's kind of shoddily made, didn't you? You know, that's why you don't like it, you know. And now that you look closely at the mask, you can see how it's it's not like... Perfectly professional, super, super smooth in every area and stuff, and there's a couple of flaws and defects in it. And then when you look at your friend, you notice that his fingers are bandaged, yeah, and you realize it, that right? he actually yeah. made this. It's a handmade thing handmade that he made. Though. It wasn't like a good luck thing he bought for you. Uh -huh. He actually made this giant right. mask. Must have taken him a really long time and stuff. Hmm. What do so you do then? Does that influence your decision in any way? 
well, if if they'd done that and they they're that devoted to me that their hands are bandaged and stuff, <laughs> I would take the mask down and be like, this this doesn't belong in my shop at all. I shouldn't have it in the shop. I'll put it in my home instead. And I would go. But and, it's only to bring your business success. It has to be in your shop. But you do if you're a business owner. You're doing work at home too, right? You're you're you know, that's where all the, the the main ideas and inspiration happen, right? When you're when you're waking up from your your your, your dreaming time. So I would you know probably at that point be like you know I noticed that it was you know handmade and. I figured you had probably done that because apparently we're that close. Um, so I feel like this this should should go in my house, in my home, so it can be near me all the time. And then I'll take a picture of it and hang a picture of it up in, wow. in, in my in my store in a correct frame. I don't know <laughs> if he's buying it, but at least he gave you your answer. All right, this is taking a long time, but let's do one more at least, and maybe two, we'll, two per episode. Maybe, maybe we'll do like two an episode or something. Mm. Just, okay. Just, you have very involved answers. Well, you're giving me lots of different things to go with. Well, there's, there's a lot to it. Okay. And the listeners can't think I'm a terrible person. I don't know. You didn't hang the mask, so I think it's too late for that. Number two. I see. Harshness, but I see. You're the one who's harsh. You don't care drink about your childhood friend. Go drink blackout, John. Let's choose the next one. Quit making clicking sounds by the computer. Um, all right, number two. You're a third year, no, well, actually, you're not a third year student necessarily, but you're, like, in high school, you know, mm -hmm. and you're the captain of the track and field team. Okay. Yeah, you know? and you're doing a uh, relay race. You know, this is, like, the, the final main event for, right. you know, you guys for the year. You know, after this. No more. You're done with club activities, you know, sport activities, right? And so... You know, because we don't really have that's a very Japanese thing. The um, what do they call those long distance relays? They always do ekiden. Ekiden, yeah, that's very that's a Japanese invention. The long distance relays, but it could be a short distance relay, anyways. Doesn't really matter. But you're captain of the track and field team, right? So all power is in your hands as for what happens. Yeah. Sure. So you're getting ready to go out there with your your relay team, you know, and uh, there's a third year, so a senior. Uh, student on your team and then when you're in the locker room because high school is only three years because high school is only three years when you're in the locker room so this is his last year this is going to be his last event being at the thing and so when you're in the locker room though with him it's just the two of you you notice that him again <laughs> he actually we're, has we're both on the, on this 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 ekiden team but usually they're sex divided okay so let's pretend she... I'm, I'm a man yeah or you can pretend you're he you're getting bogged down in details. It makes a difference. <laughs> I don't. It's a unisex track and field team, okay? okay. <laughs> don't but, worry about well, it. Me and the guy are together alone in the locker so, room. Like, it's a unisex locker room. Unisex locker room. Why not? <laughs> okay. Anyways, so you're in the locker room and you discover when he's getting ready that he has some sort of injury. Like, I forget what it is, you know, ankle injury or something like that. That he's been hiding actually from everyone yeah okay so you discover that and he has this injury you know do you replace him on the team or not do you let him run still of course i let him run still that's his own decision he breaks his ass like i don't care i you mean let him run still. i guess as a manager i should be like really you know keeping track of all the the, the participants you know all the people's running you know fitness level and 
the things that, that are going on with them, but that's their own personal decision to run or not. Like, if they get injured more, like, I would, I would say something to them, like, hey, like, are you okay? I noticed that you're injured. Like, are you really, like, able to, to run? Like, do you really want to? Yeah, this. so you do that. Yeah. He wants to run, actually. Then he wants to participate. He can go for it. That's, that's it's the last decision. event, you know. It's the last event yep, of his high school career on this Ekiden team. I don't like running, frankly, myself, so he can go, go run instead of me replace him. Alright, so you tell him that. He's super hype. He goes off somewhere, I don't know, to finish getting ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, like, while he's doing that, two other people from... Yeah, and your relay team come in and they've also discovered his injury uh-huh. in the meantime that you know he's been hiding and they talk to you and they're like you got to kick him off the team or well you got to keep him out for this race anyways there's this freshman that's also on our team that's not scheduled to run in this race because you have more people than you need for the race on your team but his condition's pretty good they want you to replace him with this guy so that you guys can win if he's injured he's probably gonna hurt your times he's not going to be at his best he's going to be too slow if you replace him with this freshman guy you actually have a much better chance of winning because you'll have you know all fit runners uninjured runners Mm. so then it's you're the captain the decision's up to you but the other people on the team running the relay want you to replace him it's it's unlikely that a 15 16 year old can run faster than like an 18 year old even an injured one but Beyond that, even if you want to say that, like, the freshman is, like, way more fit and way better, uh, you know, way way more potentially capable of getting a better time or whatever, I don't care about winning. Like, <laughs> like even if I'm the manager, sure, that would, like, let a bunch of people down, probably, if we ended up, like, losing in mm. the end. Mm. But I think if we're in Japan, like, most people would say that the freshman shouldn't get priority over the senior. If the senior was scheduled to run, and no one even noticed the injury up to now, so his time isn't really getting that much worse, well, Maybe probably. it's a recent injury, I don't know. What, like, since yesterday? Like, yeah, I guess. Maybe. He fell down the stairs on the way he this fell morning. Down the stairs. Well, then, he's really trying his best. I'm not going to kick him off right now. <laughs> well, Alright, so, so that's your decision. I mean, like, no one's even noticed up till now, so yeah, they, yeah. they can go for it. And then if they get injured, at least they made some memories, like, mm-hmm. and they'll never be able to run again, but at least they were able to go into their, <laughs> their last yeah, competition. That's also a risk there, you know, yeah, but sure. anyway, so the other, the other people might be kind of mad at you. Yeah, Chiko Sakini, it's, it's their, yeah, their, own, you gotta... their own personal responsibility, uh, Chiko Sakini. They want you to take responsibility. Yeah, well. Sakini no totte kudasai. It's, it's fine. I don't, you're the captain. I'm not a good captain. But, like I said, there's not a right answer here. Yeah, sure. And at the end of the episode, they don't give you a right answer. Yeah, because it's up to you to decide. Exactly, exactly. So it's about discussing, and there isn't really a right or wrong answer. Uh, you know, it's, right. it's what do you think is right. Mm. Yeah. So they're of that nature. So, yeah, that's that's a pretty good time there. Let's do two an episode. I've got ten of these. Okay. So there's eight left. So that'll give a good introduction there. Now you know more about me. Yeah. my wishy-washy answers yeah <laughs> you just try and think what would the best japanese person do and get that answer it's worked for me so far it's worked for me so far, me so far. <laughs> all right let's get into some news oh there's so much news because i have so many random things and uh i don't think i've explained this to you yet but on this podcast 
We don't try and cover the news, basically. <laughs> Let's get into the news, but not cover it. Okay. <laughs> no, we, we cover, but we don't cover the news comprehensively, basically. Oh. So I Just only talk topics? about things that, yeah, I think that are interesting or that I might have something to say on. You okay. Know? So, you know, um, this isn't a comprehensive thing of what happened recently in Japan, but these are just interesting things that I want to pull up. So, for example, to start out with, I want to talk about uh, Evo 2015. Oh. Evo is... Evolution Championship. Yeah, it's the, the... Well, it's the quote-unquote... This is one of the first things I want to say about it. It's the quote-unquote <laughs> world championship of video games. Well, fighting games, in any case. Mm. You know, like... Street Fighter basically is the main event. Oh, like for Street example. Fighter Ultra. Yeah, it was Street Fighter Four or Ultra. I think yeah, Ultra Street Fighter Four. I don't follow fighting games that much, but that that those sorts of games are the the things that they're the the world championship for. Street Fighter being the main event, but they do other ones too. Marvel versus Capcom, mm-hmm. Mortal Kombat, exactly. Smash Brothers. Smash Brothers is there. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so the first thing I want to say about it is that's the very first thing when you look into the Evo is it's the World Championship. It's only ever been held in the States. <laughs> oh, it's the World Championship that they designated is the World Championship. Yeah, yeah. It's the World Championship, but it's very convenient if you live in America or, you know, like Canada. For like, travel-wise. Travel for travel-wise, because it's pretty much, I think it was in like California or something originally, but for the most recent history, it's just always in Vegas, basically. Oh. Um, so it's the world championship, but the venue doesn't really rotate, you know, uh, the host country (laughs) has never, and even the host city doesn't even really rotate. So it's questionably the world championship, but because it's, you know, I don't know, the biggest event in any case, it does draw people from other countries. And so there is definitely a a national competition thing there. Although I think to level the playing field, they would have to start rotating where it's at. Yeah, just because you'd have to pay airfare. Yeah, most... If you win, I think there's some decent prize money. But for most people, don't win. Like... I don't think most people are even recovering their expenses yeah. of going to the thing unless you happen to live nearby, which is the point. Like, How many people live there? The draw would be Americans, right, well, I in mean, that even area. Within America, yeah, well, that's true. It's expensive but... to fly you know, within the country Well, absolutely, sometimes. yeah. But I mean, like, if you're in California or something, like, you could make a road trip out of it, right? Yeah, yeah, like, it's, it's much more reasonable. And in any case, it's much cheaper even if you are flying. Um, mm. The closer you live, right? So it's questionably the world championship. But in any case, there was one particular interesting thing that happened. So I've got some of the results here. You can look at it. You can see do Street Fighter 4, uh, Japanese player 1. Very Asia strong on that still. This has got Taiwan and Korea. When, second I wonder and third when it came out. Oh, I wonder when it was released. In the yeah, States. well, there's was some of those. Like, I think it does. For example, that's that's a really good point. Released earlier in Japan. So um, Guilty Gear Xard. Um, you is can that see how you that? that's how you pronounce that XRD. But if you look at the katakana, it's Igzado. E starts with so Igzard. Guilty Gear Xard here is. You can see we've got the top eight uh, for each section here. Uh, seven of the eight are Japanese. Yeah, we got players. seven of the eight Japanese. We got one person tied in seventh there for this is an American. So, for example, that game or uh, exactly the same 
Oh, yeah, Persona 4. Uh, Persona 4 Arena Ultimax, Ultimax uh, only which is Japanese only Japanese players in the top mm-hmm. eight. Well, this is the top eight. We might have had participants that oh, didn't guess, make it yeah. to the top eight. Mm-hmm. Finally, or whatever sure. they call it. Um, these Both of these games are also out in the West, North America and Europe, I, mm-hmm. I think, for both of them. But if you look at the release dates, they're almost a year behind. Oh. You know, So you can see how there's a definite... Yeah, advantage. If you got the money to go for all the, the Japanese to the players to, to participate, and you've got a year of practice on them, like yeah, exactly, exactly. So there's a lot place. more practice. Yeah. A and then B, of course, Japan is the advantage having arcades still. Mm. You know, like there's very few arcades even in the West, um, even in big cities. I mean, in the West, and so you know they have that advantage. These are Japanese games, obviously, and so there's more people to play with and stuff. But that's where the the funny thing about Evo uh, 2015 comes up here. Is if you look at Killer Instinct, you mm. can see the top eight. We've got dominated by Americans, and then one Japanese player made it to to the top eight and ended up tied for fifth. Didn't make it to the top four, final four, but tied for fifth there. The funny thing about Killer Instinct, Killer Instinct is an Xbox One exclusive game. <laughs> it's actually an in-house, semi-in-house Microsoft game. It's one of the studios that Microsoft had bought and developed it. It's only on Xbox One. Which is sold nothing in Japan. about 50,000 Xbox Ones in Japan. <laughs> that have ever been sold in the entire time. Lifetime sales. So, and you know, obviously only a percentage of those people even have Killer Instinct. So that's the weird thing about this guy. Who the hell is he playing against that he's top five now yeah. in the world, you know? Cool. Beating all of these American players that, you know, there's tons of Xbox Ones and Killer Instinct is very big in the U.S., you know, uh, as far as fighting games go. And somehow this guy is able to compete at a very high level, mm. even though... Who is he practicing against? Like, it boggles the mind. That's what I mean. Is the computer that good? They can do it? Is he, like, a exchange student? Has he been, like, living <laughs> in America for the past, like, two years just practicing Killer Instinct? Like, I really want to know what the story is with this guy, how he got to that level for a game that is is out in Japan, but come on. Barely. 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 The Xbox One. My Xbox One. I mean, the X-Bone, obviously. Um... I don't know how how that guy was able to get to that level. So that was pretty that was pretty funny to me. Um, the only other Evo news we have is is it's kind of funny because this is maybe maybe a reason not to host it in. <laughs> see my articles here. Don't look at my articles too much. Right. Uh, not to host it in the U.S. over and over again is because they're marred by crime, like. <laughs> Various thefts. Um, Someone's prize money was stolen. So yeah, even even one person's prize money. Uh, so there was the the like development kit for what was it? Access Games, Exard and Blaze Blue. Uh, Blaze Blue. Someone stole a table from someone's booth? Someone stole a table, yeah. How do you even walk away with a table? (laughs) Presumably that was someone using it rather than necessarily stealing it as in taking it home. But yeah, the, um, I think it was number one, I forget. But anyways, looks like it was about $6,000 worth of prize money uh, that um, Marvel vs. Capcom, was it the winner? Not sure exactly who it is i don't keep up with fighting game news but i thought this was this was an interesting 
sort of addition to the Evo story of, of like, I don't know, I guess you need some security because apparently they just pay these guys like cash on the spot, you know? Mm. And so they've got this money and there aren't like, I guess, lockers or anything. And if you leave your bag unattended for a minute in the States, it's gone. So yeah, that was just a little side note on the Evo story. Yeah, that's that's something you don't really have to deal with in Japan very much is people leaving your, your stuff like I mean, people stealing your stuff if you leave yeah. it there. Like like today had had a refrigerator in the back of a car with someone that I was going around with and they were like, Hey, let's go, you know, check out, you know, this convenience store and grab something to eat and they left the car running with <laughs> yeah. the keys there. Yeah. And a fridge, like, in the back. And then they (laughs) proceeded to spend, like, a gajillion hours picking out which ice cream they wanted. And I was just like, um, should I be keeping an eye on the car here? Because it's literally at a huge intersection with the keys (laughs) in it. The the car is unlocked. It's, like, not, like, really hard to see in the car that there's a brand new refrigerator in there as well. That's yeah, like, well, like a bonus. Yeah, you don't that. have to worry about that in Japan. People All stealing the time your stuff. here, like it's like, oh, people like don't lock their doors, or people don't lock their bicycles and stuff. And it's like, yeah, that's common too. But beyond not locking the doors of your car, people leave the keys in the car, leave and the they leave the car running with the keys in the car and the doors unlocked. Like it's not even so, a cold day. Today. It's there like, was really zero reason to keep the car on. <laughs> I know, right? But it's like a big, just like sign or, or alarm saying you can take this car if you want to because the keys are in it you know so like i guess maybe if you have some weird digital lock maybe the doors could be locked but for the most part i think the doors are unlocked the keys are in the engine right like so not only is it unlocked so you could like i don't know what hotwire the car or something like you know we know how to do that but you don't even have to do that because no. the car you don't you have to turn have the to engine the on you just have to open the door and get in, in there. and then drive away and the car is yours <laughs> like, and it's not like there's a huge crazy. number of like security cameras or anything else no like, i know stores. right generally there's none so it would just be like word of mouth of this is the car that well i, I mean that would be the difficult guy. thing exactly took it. Is, that, that person is, took it. i mean if you weren't going to use if you were going to use the car for your personal use it's like, where'd you get this car, you know? And, mm. like, your plates would be wrong and stuff, right? Normally, I think people steal cars in the States to, you know, sell them. You know, the standard thing, right, is take it to a chop shop. You know, they'll strip it and, and sell for parts, give you whatever, you know. You get paid as a car thief for these kinds of things, you know. And I guess that's just the thing is just, you know, without that crime network already in place, where do you take the car in Japan to sell it, you know? Most if there aren't the any chop shops, like, I stole this car. And then turn themselves in, yep, yeah, exactly. Based on all the news articles that you ever read, it's like, this guy committed a really, really <laughs> tiny crime within, like, a day at the most. They went and turned themselves yeah. in. Japanese people love to turn themselves in. It's like, I really crimes. wanted to commit this crime, and then after I committed it, I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> I just had to get out of my system, though, so. Yeah. Now, now, I'll go turn myself in. For real. But yeah, because I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's it's all connected and, you know, once it starts going, then it becomes easier to keep going, you know, crime waves or, you know, drug usage, anything else like that. But because, you know, it's like, okay, this car is easy to steal. Well, then what do I do with it? You know, how do you dispose of a car in a way that would make you money? You know, 
And without, you know, that in place, it can be pretty difficult. I was thinking of America. We had one of these on the last podcast. So if you watched episode, or not watched, but listened to episode zero, there's a very similar story. This is again from the NHK, same as last time. And now this here we have, the title is Peace Park Built in Miyagi, the Morin U.S. B-29 Crew. B-29 Crew sounds like people who bombed Japan. You're exactly right. What happened here is there's a big, there's like a cenotaph and a plaque and everything. And this is about a ceremony to unveil the, like, Peace Park. I'm making quotation marks here. That this is around. And it honors uh, the the crew of a B-29 bomber that crashed in the mountains there in March 10th, 1945. Killed 34, the 34 people. I don't think anyone survived. The 34 people were flying this plane. Uh, uh, but they were flying the plane to go firebomb Japan. To firebomb Tokyo. It was happened the same day as the devastating U.S. air raids on Tokyo, it talks about. If you don't know, so... Tokyo had... Uh, napalm dropped on it towards fairly towards the end of World War Two. You know, hundred thousand civilians killed in a single night. It even mentions here, and so this happened, and now all these Japanese people have made a memorial to these people who were bombing them. We had a very similar story. You weren't here. Obviously. Well, it's not a memorial on like the yay, they died or anything. It's a memorial like well, no, well, no, so it's sad not. These people died no, yeah, yeah, yeah. This area. No, it's a memorial like. A memorial, yeah, like honoring to, to, them, like it's really sad I mean, they lost their lives in the line yeah, of duty kind of thing. Yeah, if, if I mean, well, not in the line of duty necessarily, but, but be, in under, any case, under they their died there, like under their government's direction. Yeah, right. Or their own direction, they they lost their lives in in a way that they hadn't hoped for, <laughs> and, and or maybe they did hope for. Who knows? But yeah. you know, they they lost their lives there. So Japanese people now went and built a peace park honoring them, like yeah. <laughs> Sorry you died in our mountains. Yeah, well, basically that was the thing. It's like, oh, these people died here. And even though it was the middle of the war and it was the enemy and everything, it's like, well, you know, it's still sad they died, you know? Like, there's still people. And, you know, it's like the war, other side war, is war just... It's never good. War just kills everyone. The other side, exactly. Like, it's it's very sympathetic. And there's a lot of stories of that nature. Um, except that it's, it boggles the mind a little bit from the perspective of an American. <laughs> To see these kinds of things, but yeah, there was a very similar story last time, and this one's just following up on that one. Um, here's another sort of America related Japan article. This one is on uh, International Space Station. Now that's a little beyond when I have this article from, we, we also now know that the mission went off with a success, but basically, in the US, space is being privatized. You know, NASA doesn't do everything anymore, so. There's various couple of different private, you know, entrepreneurial space companies that have been making rockets and stuff, and they managed to basically be the lowest bidders, you know, and uh, successfully bid for like refueling, re, you know, stocking the International Space Station missions, taking supplies to the International Space Station. Uh, so that, you know, they can have, you know, food and water and all the things you need in space where they can't get any of those things. But the problem is with these private startup companies trying to cut costs so much and bidding so low, the rockets keep exploding. 
So they're having a little trouble actually getting the stuff there. So I think there were like two separate explosions of rockets. And that was actually getting to the point where, well, the International Space Station is running out of things. <laughs> like, they need food and stuff like that. And, like, the the cargo ships that are supposed to go there aren't going there. And so, in an emergency, you know, they had to turn to, you know, JAXA, Japan's... Uh, Aerospace. Yeah, well, space. Yeah. I mean, aerospace also planes. But yeah, the Japan's space uh, group. Japan's NASA, essentially, right? And uh, now that's we're a little into the future, too. The mission did go off that hitch, and Japan successfully delivered the cargo to the space station. So they delivered U.S. supplies on a Japanese yeah. <laughs> government-run, government-funded uh, yeah. space. This is exactly, and, you know. And Japan's rockets have been very good, very high success rates. You know, they don't blow up that often. You know, it's like this. This. There's something something to be said about not always picking the lowest bidder if they can't actually do the job. You know. Yeah, something to keep. But you know, it's good promotion, I guess, for for Jackson Japanese rockets. You know, because they take a lot of, you know, especially regional orders. You know, there's a lot of Asian nations that need to get satellites into space, and Japan's a good place to go and get that done. You know, there's not that many countries that actually have, you know, viable space programs going. Okay, the next story. <laughs> just really quickly, a couple more news stories, just to clear clear them out, so we can have. We'll be catching up next week, too, but just to clear a couple of short ones out. This one is kind of funny because um, this is from uh, Forbes, uh, Forbes, I don't know, blogs, opinion sections, or whatever. And uh, this, is just, uh, this guy points out how uh, the Financial Times is one of those institutions, one of those newspapers that keeps, you know, saying how much of Japan is, a, you know, economic basket case and you know is, oh, the, is, the usual is, japan yeah and, lost decades and all that sort of stuff after the bubble everything and collapsed. then the financial times got bought by uh what was it nihon keizai shinbun now <laughs> so, a japanese like, so now a japanese newspaper times. group owns the financial times who's talking will... about how <laughs> japan has got no money <laughs> do you think it will change the, the tilt of the, the, the lilt of the, the articles at all do you think being owned by I a japanese so. company because like the authors and the publishers and stuff like that are probably all the same right just the, yeah exactly just only the, the managing is the, is the japanese country, company but yeah as i mean presumably they could i mean you know if you look at someone like murdoch he certainly always has done with the, the institutions he owned you know put his own spin on things so so presumably they could, but I really doubt that they will. Um, mm. The the one of one of the I don't know alternative theories you know put forth is that these basket case stories work in Japan's favor more than they work against it. Yeah, uh, people don't pressure them too much. Exactly. Uh, so when it comes to trade issues and things like that, Japan's a big exporter nation. You know, trades and tariffs and things are very important to them. You know. The less people think that, you know, Japan is just way out ahead of them and, you know, is on easy street, the less people are going to put pressure on them, you know, by people, I mean, other nations are going to put pressure on them to, you know, open up their markets or whatever else, you know, be more fair economically if they think they're already having a hard time. This is a bit of an alternative explanation, but yeah. it makes a lot of sense. Like, the TPP is going me. through, though. So, yeah, yeah, you're involving new really... news that I wasn't going to even talk about this oh, week. Oh, next time, next time. TPP has just been approved, but we still don't know very many details. But... Yeah. 
and exactly how much it'll affect the the, the nation of Japan as a whole. Yeah, well, there's a couple of things about that, but I was going to get to those maybe next week. Next week it is, then. Yeah, all right. <laughs> All right, one other quick business one, just so we can cover business news, too. I try to have a variety of types of things, you know. I see. <laughs> this one is... This one is... Uh, Skymark is a, a budget airline, I think. I think they're one of the budgets, oh, aren't they? Yeah, I think I've heard of they're them. They're a Japanese like carrier. Peach and, and all kinds of Peach is airlines. very famous. Skymark, I believe, is also a budget. And... Um, Cheaper than A and A and Jam. Yeah, well, but those they, aren't they, budget. That's what I'm saying. Right, Skymark, they, I'm pretty sure. They run much more limited uh, routes and, and things, but the prices tend to be quite a, quite a bit cheaper than you know regular Japanese air companies. Mm. Anyways, this one was kind of funny because uh, um, Skymark, anyways, was in trouble, and so they needed some kind of. They're basically being bought out by somebody, right? Uh, who's going to restructure the firm, you know, which company is going to, uh, larger company, carrier is going <laughs> to, yeah, is going to take them over and restructure them. And uh, it's kind of funny because it's one of those, those, I don't know, Japanese things because like as part of this, uh, who was it? Um, we have here Intrepid Aviation, this is from HK, Intrepid Aviation, U.S. Aircraft Leasing Company and Skymark's biggest creditor. So the person they, well, the company they own the most money to owed the most money to put forward a plan naming the u.s carrier delta air uh, delta airlines as the sponsor oh, no. as the restructure oh no don't don't get restructured by delta yeah so that's the funny thing they actually own the debt you know and they're the ones who put forward this is the the main plan you know and it seemed like that would be the most likely one except it's a japanese carrier so they're like screw that a a holdings is going to be handling the restructuring <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, is when when you you see the the American you know airline industry, does it <laughs> scream totally really awesome and totally able to make all of the airlines they've ever had succeed forever and ever and ever? Didn't didn't like they just combine them all into just a few companies like and then they're like yeah, well, airlines do that. All the time, I mean, I guess yeah. restructuring you know takes whatever form that it takes but i think it's interesting that like japanese company was like no 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 we'll, we'll keep it in japan yeah that's, yeah that's fine. yeah that's always funny to me when it seems like it's gonna go that way it was a very similar story from a while ago with uh you know some big investment firm or whatever is trying to get sony to spin off sony what entertainment or sony pictures i forget what they called the the movie arm mm. of sony you know and i saw that and i was like well that's probably not going to happen because that movie arm is really important to Sony in controlling the formats, you uh, know? Right. There's a lot of reason to believe that, you know, Sony's control of a lot of, you know, movies, you know, helps help to win, you know, is the reason why Blu-ray won out over HD DVD, you know? Oh, right, yeah. Blu-ray is the format Sony supported, you know, HD DVD, Microsoft, and various other, you know, companies supported. Blu-ray obviously succeeded in being the more, you know, adopted format yeah, there. Yeah, there was a time there where, like, all the movies yeah, came out. Yeah, they were both, yeah. Blu-ray. It was definitely was a like, competition Which one are you going to pick? Do you have to buy both, even though they're, like, super expensive? Yeah, one theory holds it. One of the reasons for this is because Sony Pictures, which controls the rights to a lot of movies, you know, they can just only put their stuff out on Blu-ray, and that helps win the fight. So it seemed unlikely I was going to spin it off, but, you know, since that's one of the profitable arms, 
you know, this is, it was as if it was going to happen to the extent that, you know, same as this. Like, if it was an American company, you more or less would say, well, it looks like Delta Airlines is going to take Skymark over. Or it looks like Sony Pictures is going to get spun off, you know. Mm. But, you know, it was just one of those things where, you know, things in Japan don't follow that sort of common logic that you're used to from a Western business Everything's perspective. Everything's backwards. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And so things can happen in surprising ways. And so unsurprisingly, Sony Pictures, to me, unsurprisingly, but surprising from a traditional American business perspective, Sony Pictures did not get spun off, obviously. <laughs> Sony Pictures did not get spun off. And uh, ANA Holdings take, took over, I should say, uh, Skymark. Because um, it managed to win a majority of creditors voted for, you know, the uh, ANA Holdings thing. And the, to note here is this is actually Skymark's uh, own proposal. This is what Skymark's oh, leaders so wanted to happen. So they're their biggest creditor, that yeah. U.S. kind of aviation exactly. company or whatever. is like, hey, no, you well, should put it, things, put, yeah. it, put it over into, into U.S. U.S. arms there. U.S. Yeah. U.S. hands. That's one of those things. There's a lot uh, more negotiation between like the people who run a company and the people who own a company in Japan. Mm. You know? Whereas in the States, we're used to the idea of the people who own a company, the shareholders just control everything. You know? Oh, the shareholders want this, so we have to do it. You know? is basically how it works in the States, right? Shareholders don't like that. The share price is going down. We got to fire a thousand people. You know? Yeah, but well, the people I mean, actually run the company have a lot more say in a company like even if in you look Japan at, than like, the states. The Japanese, you know, equivalent of Nasdaq and stuff like that. Like it changes well, not even remotely the same amount in a single day. Like in a whole year, I doubt it changes as much as like the U.S. stock market will change in like a single day. And there's hardly any. If you look at it like dollar wise, like there's hardly any money in it at all, and it doesn't even really remotely play that much of a huge super super important role in like japanese economics either it's just like as an aside kind of thing yeah well especially that last thing i mean i'm not really i don't know the numbers well enough to comment on the first two points there but that last point certainly like that's one of the things about uh japanese economics and the japanese economy is that the stock market is not an indication of the health of the japanese economy we're so used to looking at stock markets as the indication of the health of the american economy you know, and it's just not true in Japan, you know, stock market, it's like this separate thing, you know, you can try and make money on the stock markets, people are over there gambling with, you know, money, you know, trying to make money, sometimes losing money, I guess, but it really doesn't have a big relation to, like, job losses, for example, like, it's, it's almost two separate worlds, mm. you know, it's not a, you can't just look at Japan's uh, stock indexes, as the Nikkei and stuff. Yeah. And, and tell what is happening in the Japanese economy, because it'll trick you. All right, final two things, back to video games. So we had a lot of video game news here. I wanted to, to bring up two final articles. This one's a little bit long, but this one's on, there's an article from not too long ago talking about how terrible it is to work for Konami, which Konami? I thought was interesting. Konami. Mm. And it was kind of interesting. That? Well, they, they list some various points. So there's some, like, leaks about what it's like working at Konami's offices. Like, it's terrible to work there as a Japanese person working there? No, as a Japanese as, person. As this, a, is, this is Konami's, like, Japanese offices. Oh. You know, no, the, the Japanese so is, is it a black Konami. Kijo? Is it, is it a black Well, company? maybe. I don't know. But, like, I was looking here. We have, we'll go through quick the list of, of actual, you know, bad things of working at Konami given in this article from what is this one I've got from 
Gematsu? I don't know. And uh I don't know. <laughs> and uh but anyways it was going around a bit and people were talking about how terrible it is, you know, and all the comments are like, Oh my god, it's unbelievable. But to me, uh none of these things really stood out from a Japanese business perspective. I mean they're all things that like you can read about in books of what it's like to work at Japanese companies from the eighties and the nineties, you know? Um you know, so maybe Konami's a little more stuck in the past than your average company? I, I really wouldn't know, I guess. But yeah, yes, let's let's look at some of the things, you know. Um it's uh so like for example your first one about practices. Kojima Productions is now known as number eight production department. Its computers have no internet access and can only send messages between internal computers. That doesn't well, really that, seem that's like probably just because they don't want secrets. yeah they don't want people <laughs> leaking stuff like exactly firewalls and stuff. That's at like all a security and, thing. Like, yeah, you could probably sell information from the company to competitors and stuff like that. Super easy and and like yeah, sure you could do that even without you know those sorts of yeah you could say it's extreme up, but, but at the same time it's not that extreme it's like, just keeping stuff within the department within the department yeah you can't send personal emails while you're at work but that doesn't seem that extreme to me right yeah. <laughs> all right next thing here employees that leave office during lunch break are monitored with time cards those who return late have their names announced throughout the company so like over the loudspeakers or whatever, the, the intercom. It's <laughs> kind of funny, actually. It's kind of funny. I've read that exactly about business from a book in the 90s from some guy who was doing, I forget, it was one of the big companies. I forget which firm he was at. But that was like a thing they did there, you know, basically to get people to come back from lunch on time. If you came back late, you know, uh, you weren't fired or something. But, you know, they would simply just announce everyone who came back late over the intercom. Well, they actually do that kind of like at elementary schools, even starting really young. Like, they have boxes where they put their shoes, right? The elementary school students, because they can't walk with outdoor shoes within the halls of the school or anything. And every day on the on the lunch announcements, they go to the different, like, the, the boxes where the students store their shoes are divided by class and by grade. And every day, there's a group of students within the school that's designated to go check those boxes. And they count how many students' boxes are, like, not correctly arranged like which ones are messy which ones are like mm. their shoes are all over the place or which ones have like trash in them and stuff like that and then over the announcements they say okay you know grade three class two had x number of students whose stuff was all messed up and like it's announced to the entire school uh, this class has at least on a group basis yeah, they group say basis. Which class. yeah they don't say the people yeah. you know, but everyone knows who the people are yeah exactly like, within the class they like you know during lunchtime if their class is called and their class has like two people the students will start saying who was it who was it like <laughs> you know trying to find the people who, yeah. who did it and then everyone knows who the messy kids are anyways so like it's like oh it's that kid again or oh it's them again it starts young. It's something that's that's done from a very young age. This sort of public, not public shaming per se, but public recognition of yeah, things that are going on to yeah, encourage exactly. you to stop them. Like, yeah, like you're not doing anything in secret, basically. You know, like, and then because it's like that, the people who continue to do things with the, how they're not like quote supposed to, like they don't care. Like <laughs> you know, if it's really all like, oh, we have to you know get them to, to super conform to our standards. Like the people who or doing that already know what they're supposed to do. So it's more just like having the other people feel like justified, like, oh, 
Like, at least everyone knows that these people are doing things not the way they're supposed to. Because the person who's actually doing it doesn't hear that announcement and think, Oh no, now I need to do it, like, correctly. Like, they already know they're not doing it correctly. Like... Well, yeah, exactly. That's not, the thing. It's... it's not really to shame them. It's for the benefit of other people so they can feel, like, better about having done it themselves correctly. Probably. Yeah, I mean, that too. Absolutely, you know. But in any case, again, that doesn't seem an extreme thing to me. A... This is common, you know, this is not an uncommon thing, you know, people are blaming this on Konami when these are just some common Japanese business practices, you know. Um, and B, it doesn't seem that extreme. Oh no, they had their name announced. Like, the title of this article is Bad Things Happening at Konami, you know, it's Everybody like, it's not bad of a thing. <laughs> 15 Satos, 92 Abes. Next bullet. <laughs> Uh, there are cameras in office corridors to monitor the movements of Konami's employees. There's like a gajillion cameras at all the places I've ever worked at. In the exactly. States. Where the hell has this person even worked? That there were never any cameras? Like, you can't even work in fast food without there being cameras all over the place because they're afraid you're going to steal something. Like, Not to mention, what, like, in, in the UK, is like cameras on the streets. Yeah, like, actually, right. There's tons of cameras in London. That's just like right. a whole cultural thing there. Yeah. You're, you're always on, like, on the cameras. There's so. cameras. Like, I mean, sure, no one wants to be uh, on camera, probably. Like, it's not necessarily a particularly fun atmosphere but is it really that extreme that you have to like label this company as a terrible place to work like you um, can't walk outside in the uk without being on camera all right next point most konami employees don't have their own permanent company email address so like <laughs> register for gmail <laughs> Right. I don't understand how this is a horrible thing. There's the internal email service anyways. Like, yeah, you, know, right. you don't need it's an like, extra email. Right? If, if you're not communicating with someone outside the company that you need an official email address to, you know, make it look professional, why do you need an official email address? Like, this doesn't seem to be an extreme thing. Like, plus, in Japan, you'd have business cards. So, like, if you're going anywhere or interacting with someone, like, because I think in the West, a lot of people want a company email because, like, look, I really work for this company because I have a company email. But mm, in, like, Japan, yeah. if you're going somewhere, if you want to prove that you really work for this company, you'll have a business, business card, card to prove that. Like, we don't really have that, like, culture, cultural, yeah. you know, fundamental type thing going on in the States. So, like, a lot of people, I think, hold their personal company email to really, you know, really this is this proves that i work here look i have an email but like in order to have those company business cards they have to work there so that's how they prove it like, yeah for real they, i'm like, sure they have a phone that's number. what i'm saying is like, it's that <laughs> cultural difference as i'm saying they're trying to blame us on like a konami being a horrible place but all of this article really is is misunderstanding japanese culture being ignorant of japanese too, culture like, really. despite a lot of aspects of japanese technology being super high-tech compared to the west like Things as far as communication goes are really still on a real personal level. Yeah, like absolutely. You, you, you make a phone call to the people in the department next to you. You don't send them an email. Yeah. Like you, you send a fax to a company that you need to get in touch with. You don't you know, send them a package or just an email. Like there's all these like forms of kind of what some people might consider outdated communication, but then also if there's like a phone call and stuff, you don't have to worry about massive amounts of information, you know, sensitive information leaking or anything like that. So like, while it might seem inconvenient compared to like a quick, fast email, it also keeps up like the sort of societal standards of like, you have to have correct, you know, yeah, ways it's, of speaking it's a lot and correct more... politeness and yeah. things like that. Like directly meeting people. I mean, 
you know, like I said phone calls are more more important, and like meeting in person, I think, is more important than yeah. in in a lot of Western businesses. Um, I mean, yeah, that's right. one of the reasons people say that you know the Shinkansen is so profitable is because there's so many business uses users of it. You know, so many businesses sending their people, you know, to go physically meet with your clients and your suppliers and stuff, you know, because that sort of personal connection is important. Right. Like in the States, you can work for a company and you be, you can be, have a contact in another company and never meet them yeah. ever. Just all of your stuff would be through, you know, can be through. I'm sure there's things like, you know, TV phone conferencing, telephone conferencing yeah, and stuff. Right. But I'm not so sure there's even that many companies in the States that do that. I think my impression is like a lot of places just handle everything via email. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess that's the author of this, this article's impression too, because emails is very important to this person. All right. And our final point, Konami developers who aren't seen as useful are reassigned duties, such as security guards, cleaning staff, uh, or roles at patchy slot machine factories. So they're still like they still have the. They're not fired. <laughs> they're not fired. They still get to say they work for Konami. Yeah, and they actually get probably a less stressful job. That's like. <laughs> just right, exactly. But yeah, again, I this last point especially. There's no cameras there, I right? Couldn't, like, there's no cameras there. <laughs> I couldn't think of a more stereotypical Japanese business practice than you have someone who basically in the states would have been fired, and instead you reassign him to some other division. You know, usually a less intensive as, job. Yeah, either maybe as punishment, you know, take them down the ladder, or sometimes they're just reassigned in the hopes that they'll find a section they can succeed at rather than just getting yeah. rid of the person. Or get sick of it and quit themselves and find a job yeah. that they actually want to have. Like right. Something that's more suited to them. But hell, it's got to be better than being fired, A. And B, how stereotypical of a job. I mean, it's in, have you ever seen the film Gung Ho? You know, which is like a 90s film that's. Not that, like, culturally, you know... Sensitive? Yeah, sensitive or, or really, like, in touch with Japanese culture. But that's what I'm saying. It's just these surface-level things that everybody knew, at least in the 90s, you know, in the 80s. It's even in there. Where there's, like, the, you know, they take over a car factory. You know, mm. It's the Japanese managers running an American car factory, right? And there's the one guy who's, like, I don't know, too slow. Or, no, I think he has too many mistakes on the line, you know? And so they come to him and they're like, well, now you're going to sweep up instead. You know, you'll get paid the same, but you're sweeping, you know. And he took this as a huge personal insult, you know, and he right. wanted to quit and everything like that. You know, that was one of those conflict things. But it's even in there. Like, <laughs> it's such a common thing. Like, every single point here, what you're talking about is either nothing, you know, or just common Japanese things. Like, Yeah, I mean, there's a ton of people that are not needed at different schools anymore. Like principals or vice principals and stuff but they haven't reached their retirement age yet so they have to find places for them to work but they also because they will be retiring soon they want to get other people who aren't retiring soon to those positions and and open up other positions for other people to get promoted to and things like that so instead they just stick them in these like random roles where they don't actually have a lot to do but they don't fire them or anything but they're there in more of a advising sort of mm, yeah like, it's a little different but similar different, yeah. but similar idea like these people aren't necessarily being punished you know for anything but like the idea of having people be employed by you without having to be worked to the bone <laughs> is like something i think that's really common in japanese companies like they like despite a lot of articles and a lot of people saying like Japanese companies want to just work you to the bone like you have to work a gazillion overtime hours and all this kind of stuff like there's a lot of 
positions that are there where like no we we have a lot of people so you don't have to work three persons you know you don't have to do three people's yeah, jobs right. we have extra people who you know maybe don't have maybe they're sort of lame ducky and you know a certain extent <laughs> but like maybe they don't have as many responsibilities as they perhaps should but they're not fired a you know they've given time and you know effort into the company so they're not just like thrown out on the street and b they like you know can have a little bit more relaxing time you know like since what they were doing before isn't maybe necessary what's best necessarily what's best for the company or what they're most suited to hmm. yeah so final article <laughs> let's do one more article this is also a video game it's shorter than the last one but i just love this little clip here all right have you heard of the game summer lesson summer lesson no 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 maybe i'll show it to you later on or something but Summary, Summer Lesson is, an, is well, right now it's like a tech demo, basically. Oh. It probably is being developed into a full game, but in any case, it's a game by, uh, I think Sony is doing it, um, for the uh, PlayStation VR, Project Morpheus, formerly Project Morpheus, so the, oh. the VR headset. Yeah. Verve, was that the PlayStation one? Not Verve. Oh, no, that was Microsoft. I don't know. Nothing. Never mind. You're talking about Oculus Rift? Mm. No. no. Okay, I'm not talking about that. <laughs> the, the PlayStation's VR headset, formerly called Project Morpheus, now called PlayStation VR. So you put the headset on, right? So it's a 3D immersive game, right? Mm. So there's there's two different versions of it. Yeah, it's called Summer Lesson. And in the first one, you're like a um, an in-home tutor, you know, like the tutor that goes to like, a, you know, okay. a student's house to help them pass exams or whatever, right. you know? Anyway, so in the first one, you're there, and, you know, well, you're you, I guess. And, you know, it's like this cute girl or whatever. And, you know, it's all very sort of, you know... Tee-hee-ha-ha. Yeah, kind of flirty um, and stuff. Because, you know, very few people have actually played any of these. They're mostly just, like, demos. Right. Most people aren't exposed to these short, like, trailer, the, trailers. On the, the hardware line. more so than the software. Right, right. But it's the sort of things that you might be able to do you know it's mainly for promoting the playstation vr you know rather than the game itself but you know and it you know gained a lot of attention because most of the other games that are like playstation vr it's like fly this spaceship or you know shoot hmm. these guys and stuff but there's like you know sex appeal type game or at least people are reading that into it anyways hmm. right based on the trailers and then the second one is like you at like a beach house or whatever <laughs> And you're, and then you also have this like foreign girl there too, and it's like different scenes where you're like teaching her Japanese, and she's like I don't know teaching her guitar and stuff. And this trailer is exactly the same way, and that's all very is this a romance yeah. kind of thing? You know, it's like a almost dating game, you know, mm -hmm. and it's like. And the person's always young, and like with the in-house tutor, presumably they're not older than high school, right? right? If they're still living at home, having a tutor come. And so it's all very much like this, and it's generated a lot of, you know, uh, I don't know, controversy, I guess you'd call it. You know? But in any case, it's generated a lot of excitement, excitement. and it's generated a lot of views. And the funniest thing is I saw this not long ago, uh, a little clip uh from uh some some article where uh harada who i guess you know is behind it it was hilarious to me yeah 
saying it a little more Englishy there, harada. But yeah, harada. 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 I don't think anyone can understand it if we say harada. 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 All right, so I'll read you the quote, the very first part here. Reacting to the criticism, Harada says, quote, It wasn't a surprise at all. I've gone to the States quite a bit, so I kind of know what to expect. <laughs> is, is he just saying, like, whenever I deal with foreign people in the U.S., they're like, screw you? Like... In fact, he says he intended for the video to spark controversy. Quote, If you saw the video, a lot of the camera angles weren't presented as the game actually plays. There were a little, they were a little bit more tailored just for that video to evoke people's imaginations. <laughs> so I kind of planned that there would be a response like that from the West because I wanted that attention from the media. Oh, so he just like, he just completely was like, panty <laughs> shot, even though there's no used them. He there's, used them. <laughs> there's no panty shots in the actual game. <laughs> all you people that are against it, you're just giving me more like PR. All you people that are like, wow, I really want panty shots, are going to buy it and get none. <laughs> because he used them. He knew what the West is like, and especially Western, well, journalism in general, A, but especially games journalism is so clickbaity. Um, if you ever yeah. see Kotaku articles and stuff. Uh -huh. They're so clickbaity. It's so, like, just... They always want a controversy about something. And so most mm. of the time they Especially stir up Japanese controversy over nothing. Controversy. And, yeah, exactly. Japan, you know, they... they everyone monster already has that image anyway. Right. So why not feed into it and use it? It's mm. the most hilarious thing. He used the sensationalist journalist, uh, Western journalism, sensationalist Western journalism, used it to full effect to benefit himself. It's so hilarious to me. Like, <laughs> it was planned, though. Yeah. Like, sucks and Because it's so easy, because they're looking for it already. So yeah. all you have to do is give them just a little bit, and it'll take care of itself. That's kind of funny. <laughs> it was hilarious to me. All right. I'll let that be the last news article. Now, at the end of the podcast, as usual, well, not as usual, but for the first time, since this is episode one and we had an episode zero, we can have a letters section. So if you have any emails or things to say, you can write in to, do you know the email address? I barely knew the name of the podcast. <laughs> All right. It's easy to remember. The podcast name is Left for Japan. So if you want to write in, our email is leftforjapan at gmail.com. Apparently, it's leftforjapan at gmail.com. <laughs> so L-E-F-T-F-O-R-J-A-P-A-N at G-M-A-I-L dot C-O-M. Yeah. Left for Japan. Japan. At gmail.com. L-E-F-T-F-O-R-J-A-P-A-N. <laughs> at Mark. G-M-A-I-L dot C-O-M. Yeah, so if you have anything to say, comments, questions, anything, uh, it's early days yet, so, you know, not too many. Tell uh, us we're terrible. Yeah, if you tell us we're terrible, I'll read it on the air. You can write in and say how much we suck, and I will read it on the podcast just so I have somebody's letter to read. So but we'll take your Even if you hate it, any kind of comments or things you want me to talk about on the podcast or you want us to talk about now on the podcast, you know, I'll take it in. So uh, I only have one letter from last time. Let me pull it up. <laughs> I'm guessing Staring it's not a letter. <laughs> no, it's totally a letter. Here it is. Letter. Did you write it yourself? <laughs> it's, it's from... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's, it's, it's from Mr. Butts. It says, why does your butt smell? Why do you like smelling and kissing your own butt? 
No Simpsons yeah. references. <laughs> Simpsons good. references are nashi, <laughs> i.e. they're a big NG. Yeah, okay, no letters. I don't know if anyone ever listened to episode zero, but nobody wrote in yet, even though this episode's really late coming. So, please write in, I'll read it on the on the cast. Or if you like my voice better, tell, tell them you want the girl to read she, it. She can read it. I can read it, how I talk in class, sometimes. You just gave away. Yeah, well, I talked about Japanese school systems. <laughs> a lot, yeah. So, <laughs> a lot. Big surprise! <laughs> Alright, let's end it here. Anything final to say? Everything is backwards. The end. <laughs> Alright, see you next week.